happening, everyone? Welcome back. It is Jay Scott, and it is the Hook Rocks, the ultimate rock community podcast. Thanks again for tuning in. Always appreciate when you stop by and give us a listen. Don't forget to write us a review. At the end of the episode, we always appreciate your feedback. And as I always mention, we are part of the Pantheon Podcast Network, the official network of for the official podcast of Metallica is on our network. So check that out when you get a chance, along with the other diversified music-related podcasts. There's something for everyone on Pantheon Podcast. You can follow them at Pantheon Pods on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, as well as The Hook Rocks on all three of those platforms. Just search up The Hook Rocks, and you can follow us and see what we're up to on social media. And don't forget to check out our latest episodes. We just had Els Bailey on, the great uh, Americana blues soul artist from the UK. We also welcome John Drake from the Dust Coda, Don Dockin from the band Dockin. We welcome Tracy Guns of LA Guns talking Eddie Van Halen and remembering him on the anniversary of his passing, as well as Joanne Shaw Taylor, the great blues guitar player. That was a great interview as well. Don't forget to subscribe to all podcast platforms that you're on so you get the latest episodes right to your phone and you can enjoy all the previous ones as well. We've got a fantastic episode for you today. Uh, it's what I call an internet sensation and she wouldn't be a sensation if she wasn't any good because she's a fantastic guitar player and just amazing to watch on social media and she's also playing on stage down in Nashville and other places and doing what she does. I'd like to welcome Grace Bowers. How are you? Good. Thanks for doing this. I appreciate you coming by and and talking with us about you and and the guitar and and, uh, how it all came to be. Yeah, happy to. Awesome. Well, we always start out the same way every time we have a first-time guest, and that is really the essence of our show, just like every Rock song has a hook that pulls you in. Every rock fan has a moment, whether it's a song, an album, a band, or performance that hooked them on rock and roll. What was it for you? Um, oh man, I feel like I've had like two phases of like my musical journey where I discovered rock and then I discovered blues. Um, when I first discovered rock, it was from Guns N' Roses. And then when I first heard the blues, it was from BB King. So that was what kick-started me wanting to play guitar. So the BB King song is what led you to playing guitar. Yeah, it was a uh, it was Sweet Little Angel, but I actually didn't hear that until I had been playing for three years. Or actually, you know what? It was four years. So I heard BB King for the first time about three years ago. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So you would. Heard Guns N' Roses, obviously Slash is an amazing guitar player as well. And then you got Hooked by the Blues, which is very easy to do because the Blues is is absolutely phenomenal. What was it about, you know, if you could talk about the contrast between the two and what it means to your playing guitar, uh, are they both equally influenced you or is it more Blues now? Um, I'd say now it's more blues focused just because of the music that I play. But back then when I was first starting, um, I didn't, I don't come from a musical family and I was never around music. So it was all up to me to find stuff. And when you're nine years old, you're not very good at finding music. And uh, all I listened to at the time was 
hair metal, like a Motley Crue and Poison and Winger. All the all the cheesy ones you can think of. I probably was in love with them at that age. And it was really all I knew and all I played for four years. And I kind of got stuck in this cycle of playing songs note for note. And I didn't know any of the theory behind it. I didn't, no one even showed me the pentatonic scale until three years ago, which, um, if you don't play guitar, that's kind of an essential thing that everyone should know. But I didn't, I just didn't know. So the first time I heard BB King, it kind of blew me away because I'd never heard that before. It was something entirely different. Well, when you speak about guitar, you mentioned, you know, Motley Crue, Winger. I mean, I think of the guitar players in those bands, like Mick Mars, mm-hmm. who's just a master of tone, um, who's always chasing tone. And you have Red Beach and Winger, who is yep. just this technical giant, right? And then you hear B.B. King, who is more or less the face of blues mm-hmm. in terms of just his longevity, in terms of his legacy, in terms of his music. And blues is all feel. Blues is like, there's really nothing, I mean, I guess there's technical aspects of blues, like there is any form of music, but blues basically comes from your soul, comes from your heart. Whereas, not to say, you know, what Mick Mars and Red Beach were doing wasn't, but there's more of a technical aspect in, in, in what they're trying to do versus blues is just pouring out their soul, basically, you know? Yeah, for sure. Is that what really attracted you to blues? I mean, you know, is that power of emotion that comes through on the guitar? Yeah, I think so, because it was like a breakthrough moment where I'm like, wow, I don't have to just learn other people's songs. I can because once you can play the blues, you're not playing something that someone's already done. Um, I feel like every time. Like if I'm sitting in with a band and we're playing over a 12 bar blues, I'm not going to play the same thing twice. It's always going to be something different. And that's what is cool about it to me, because as much as I loved playing Guns N' Roses songs, it was just. I was playing someone else's notes like there wasn't anything unique about it to me and blues it just it just opened up this whole new world of guitar playing that I didn't know existed. I agree. When you hear, let's just say, the song Sweet, Sweet Home Chicago, right? Mm-hmm. Who's has been played by so many different blues artists. And the, the great thing about it is every version sounds different. It doesn't yeah. sound like a carbon copy of what came before. And that's because all blues players play their their guitar differently. They have a different approach. And as a blues fan, you know, growing up here in Chicago, I always get frustrated when someone says it all sounds the same because it tells me that they're not listening. They're mm-hmm. not listening to just the differences between the player and the feel and how they approach it. And that's such a unique thing. And it's still unique to this day. And I imagine as an artist, as someone who's, still evolving, uh, you know, with their, with their music and their tone and their sound, there has to be a sense of freedom with that too. Yeah, totally. As far as BB King goes, what, what came next after him? Um, well, after I found BB King, I started getting into like, um, 
uh, older, like Delta Blues, like Mississippi John Hurt was and still is one of my old time favorites, which is more on the folk blues side of things. Um, yeah, him. Uh, I was really into T Bone Walker. Uh, John Lee Hooker is a good one. Yeah, all, all that stuff. I think of uh, the Blues Brothers when I think of John Lee Hooker. Uh, <laughs> that's such a, a great movie. I mean, seeing that, and I was filmed in Chicago and the surrounding areas of Chicago. And seeing that mm-hmm. when I was a little kid, that's what attracted me to the movie. It was like, oh, this is all Chicago stuff. And then seeing all the performers in it, like John Lee Hooker. And obviously the Blues Brothers band is just a fantastic mm-hmm. band in itself. But also just seeing all that and in and, and hearing that music it really opened up a lot of doors for me too as well in delta blues you mentioned you know because there's so much delta blues in chicago blues because you know a lot of the blues players from the delta from louisiana their families moved up north with the industrial revolution industrial movement where manufacturing became jobs were there so that all kind of moved to chicago so there's always that element of delta blues in chicago blues which i find fascinating yeah for sure have you looked? Have you listened to a lot of Chicago blues like Buddy Guy and Otis Rush and players like that? Yeah, yeah. Actually, I saw Buddy Guy um, when I was twelve, and uh, I can still remember about every second of it. <laughs> now, where was that at? That was um, oh gosh, what? Where was it? It was in um, San Francisco. He was playing this Jimi Hendrix tribute. Um, I'm blanking on what venue it was at. It was in San Francisco, though. I can tell you that. <laughs> Have you ever heard his version of Hendrix's Red House? No. So it's not on any streaming services. It's only on YouTube. Mm-hmm. So if you search that up after our interview, you'll be blown away by his version of Red House. It's I, I always say this, and I've said this in a lot of interviews, no one bends a string like Buddy Guy. It's just absolutely amazing the way he plays and i just saw him recently this past winter he was doing a residency at his uh place in chicago and he had leilani kilgore opening up for him and i mean he's 87 years old and he just completely dominates the instrument still he just completely kills it it's amazing wow yeah you, you know that's the thing too you know when you when you look at the evolution of blues especially in the 60s and 70s there was so much at the forefront and then what happened was all these english players from the uk you know from europe and in england really honed in on it whether it was led zeppelin whether it was rolling stones even the beatles you know and it's such been a transformation and such a great evolution and every every genre of music has some form of blues in it it's yeah where it all starts yeah, totally. As far as your playing goes, being the age that you are, 17, and still discovering a lot of your playing and, and, and music, how do you approach the guitar? How do you, how do you approach the instrument? Uh, what do you mean? Like, how do you attack it? How do you, when, you, when you're playing and, and whether it's noodling or just trying to find a riff, like where do you start? Like, what do you look for when you're playing? Are you looking for tone? Are you looking for, 
how the how your emotion is output on the guitar, all that, you know, like how do you approach it? Um well, my main thing is playing out live. I do it almost every night living in Nashville. Um and I've kind of found some because if I've sit in with a lot of people and I never know what amp I'm going to go into. So you have to find other ways to control the tone you're getting. So, um, well, I always have a guitar pick in my hand, but I play with my fingers most of the time. So it's just, it's just like this natural thing that happens. I don't even realize I'm doing it, but, um, I switch between different notes if I'm going to pick it or finger pick it. Like sometimes it's even just a one note difference of being picked versus finger picked. Or sometimes I pick a whole solo, but, um, it just gets such different tone regardless of what guitar amp you're using. Um, that's a technique that I use a lot. How did you develop that technique? I honestly have no idea. I kind of been doing it forever and it's not really, a. there's not really technique to it. It's just kind of something that happens to me naturally. Um, yeah, I don't know. Never practiced it or anything like that. It's interesting because, you know, there's some finger pickers out there that, I mean, Magic Sam, who is a great blues player, too, from Chicago, um, he was a finger picker, too, as well. And, mm-hmm. and you know, there's there's a lot of that in blues because it's, it's basically, con- from what I've heard from people who do it, it connects you with the instrument a lot differently than with a pick but to use both i've never seen someone do that especially like do you do it like in in the same song or is it just there to hold in case you need it no same song wow yeah just constantly going back and forth that's pretty cool what's it like for you starting out really on the internet you know building a following because of what you do and now you're playing on stage and you're sitting in and, and playing live shows. Cause that's one of the things that I've noticed too, is that there are a lot of social media guitar players out there, mm-hmm. but few, if I've seen any really go beyond and start playing on stage, especially in the way that you do, which I think is really important because I see that you're, 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 you're wanting to perform in front of people and not just sit in a chair yeah. record yourself. How is that, you know, how is the difference for you when you do that First, you know, you're playing and you know, you're going to have an audience for what you do on your social media. And then you go on stage and you play live and you're getting the immediate reaction. You're seeing the, you're seeing physically like what the immediate reaction is. Um, well, to me, nothing can compare to playing live. Like, I post lots of videos of me in my bedroom just noodling on the guitar and that gets me a lot of attention. But um, I like doing that too, but I really, there's there's just something different. There's a different feeling when you're playing live, especially to people who are listening. Um, when I first started playing, um, I mean, I'm from a small town in California originally, And we just moved out to Nashville, my family, two years ago. So um, I played my first show two years ago. And when I first started out, I was like, I would live stream on Reddit 
which is super random, uh, just me playing guitar in my room. And I didn't think anything of it until all of a sudden all these people start watching me. And this was also during the pandemic. So people didn't have anything better to do really. But um, the more and more I posted, the more traction things would get. And eventually we moved out to Nashville and people started asking me to sit in with them. And that was the first time I ever got to play on a stage. What was it like for you the first time? Um, well, I was terrified. I was really, really nervous. I don't get nervous anymore, but I used to really bad. And I remember as soon as I played my first note, all that nervousness just went away. And I just wanted to, I I, I played for one song, my first show, I was up for one song. And then I remember getting off stage and just wanting to go right back out and do it again. What song was it? Um, my my first show was at a songwriters event and I was just singing on guitar for someone. I don't remember the song. You know, that's the thing too. I have a son who plays guitar. He's 18. And um, mm-hmm. the importance of you know, you're playing in your bedroom and you're practicing and you're doing all that. But there's also something to be said for learning how to play with peop- other people. Mm-hmm. And, you know, how you're playing in a band, because it kind of all is a give and take. Everybody is kind of, you know, on the same page or tries to be on the same page at, at, at most times. And that's got to be a, a an important evol- part of the evolution of your journey, too, is to sit in and play and and watch what other people do and, and be be observant on stage. Whereas just kind of being in your bubble in your room playing uh, to a video that is um that had to have, have have its challenges like you said your nervousness you know you always have your, you know all artists have self doubt right all artists do did i play it good enough i don't think i played it good enough oh that stunk you know i i've heard it all from 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 artists who i've talked to and that had to be in your mind too as well were you good enough were you fine and and the answer i would say is yes mm-hmm. yeah i mean there's there's no better way to learn than sucking at a gig in front of tons of people. That nothing will make you want to practice more than blowing it. And I have gotten on stage many times and just not been very happy with my playing, but you know what? Then I come home and I practice and the next time's better. Um, so I'm, I'm really thankful actually that I have all these opportunities, whether I play well or not, because it's, it's a active learning experience every time. I think of that quote from Eddie Van Halen, who said, if you make a mistake, do it twice. So they think you did it on purpose. (laughs) (laughs) As far as, you know, music goes and playing out, you just did the, the crossroads thing with Eric Clapton. Yeah. How was that? What was that experience like for you? Uh, that that was unbelievable. I played with uh, with Kingfish and yeah. Hamlet um both days, and uh, it was it was just such a great experience. And obviously, the show itself too was just incredible to watch. It was, it was great. 
Kingfish has made a name for himself too. He's an amazing player. Mm-hmm. What was it like being on stage with him? Um, uh, a little bit intimidating because he's so good. Um, but also it was it was really cool getting to play with him and trade guitar licks. And plus the crowd. I mean, that had to be the biggest crowd you've ever played in front of. Yeah, it was probably one of the biggest crowds I've played to so far. Yeah, and they they were all obviously it's a guitar festival. They were they were watching very intently. <laughs> well, you have to feel like after a moment like that, or I, I don't know how how you think of things, but you know when you when you get off that stage and you're in your hotel the night after or wherever you're at on the plane on the way home, and you have time to reflect. There has to be a good feeling that you're making these steps and, and taking these steps in your career, in your journey of music that is leading somewhere, right? Uh, for sure. Yeah. I think one of the things that I always get asked about you is music related. When will you make your own music? Are you are you gearing up for that? Is that the goal for you to do that? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I've, I write a lot, uh, lots of co-writes here in Nashville. Um, but yeah, we are, me and my uh, team are definitely, that's our goal. It's our main goal for this next year, I should say, to hopefully have some of my own music out there. When you think of your sound and you try to define your sound, how would you describe it? Um, well, it can kind of go two ways because on, on one hand, I love, um, Santana's first couple of albums and I like how they weren't, I don't like instrumental music. Um, I don't sing, but I really don't like instrumental music. And I like that Santana had some songs that were just straight jams, but then he also had real songs like actual songs with um a structure to them and i kind of liked how he mixed them and had a little bit of both and then um at the same time i also love uh sly the family stone like big soul band type stuff and that's i i feel like i kind of want to do like a mixture of both of those things uh funk soul and then some jam band type rock thrown into it. That's interesting. That's really cool. Yeah. <laughs> when you're thinking of your music and, and your sound, do you hear it in your head? Is is there a sound that you want to achieve? You just mentioned that what you want things to sound like, but as far as tone goes and as far as what it will, you know, cause every artist has that sound that they're chasing. Do you have that as well? Um, I think so. It also depends on who you're playing with, who the band is. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm finding it, especially as I play with more and more people. Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, 
Yeah. Even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles, plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right. You'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Hey folks, Stefan Shirazi and Renee Richardson here from the Metallica Report. And we are proud members of the Pantheon podcast family, where the best of music and podcasts unite. We've got something pretty cool for you. We're giving away an exclusive Metallica merch package worth over $250. That's a whole lot of scary guys, skulls, M72, and other sought-after Metallica swag. And we've made it easy for you to win. Follow and share the Metallica Report, and you're in the game. Go to pantheonpodcast.com slash Metallica, enter your email, and hit that button to be entered to win. And just like that, you're eligible for our monthly exclusive Metallica merch package. And guess what, rockers? You can enter every month. So just do it. And while we love our global brothers and sisters, the lawyers won't let us ship outside the U.S. As far as the crossroads, getting back to that, you know, when you look at the bill that was on there everyone from Clapton, Cheryl Crow I think was on there too there were so many great artists did you have a chance to meet any of them or or talk with them backstage yeah yeah a few of them it's cool yeah that'd be a good moment too I mean to be a part of that and and think about where you came from of just making videos in your room that's absolutely phenomenal because I'm trying to think of like I said these other social media players that we talk about or we we see and i don't think any of them at least that i don't at least i that i know of have have achieved that i mean that's a pretty big deal when i saw the coverage of you playing with kingfish i was like wow that's pretty awesome that's that's a good step for her i mean totally cool thank you what have you learned the most about playing in these last few years especially since you've been in nashville um Man, um, I think just how to treat the song right, um, because I play with all different kinds of people and all different music genres. Like one night I'll be playing Americana and then the next night I'm doing R&B. Um, it's just all across the board and it's been a learning curve figuring out how to play with all these different kinds of people and make my guitar fit into it. And it's actually, I love doing it. Um, but yeah, that's been something to learn for sure. 
how has your guitar playing changed since you've been playing on stage and being in Nashville? Um, I think there's definitely lots of growth to still happen, but I, I do think it's matured a lot since the two years we've been here since we first moved out here. I remember um, I was still struggling to make my way around the blues when we first moved, which is crazy to think about. I have some videos from that time. They were not, <laughs> they were not good. I'll put it that way. <laughs> what do you notice is the biggest change? Um, just thinking before I play something, uh, leaving more space instead of just playing all the blues licks that I know. Um, it's more of, uh, putting sentences together on guitar, if that makes sense. Now, both hands are equally important on the guitar, right? And, you know, your right hand is, is this kind of the steady hand, right? I mean, it's the... It's where it all starts with the right hand. What what is your approach with each hand? I mean, you know, we think of great guy. You, when I think of a, the right hand of a guitar player, I think of Malcolm Young of ACDC, right? That steadiness, mm-hmm. that that rhythm, you know. And then the lead, you know, the left hand is is. You know, I think of guys like you know Eddie Van Halen, or I think of guys like Buddy Guy, you know, bending the string, the vibrato, and all that kind of stuff. How do you, how do you approach each hand on the guitar? Like, what are you trying to do? What do you with your phrasing? Um, well, you just mentioned vibrato. Vibrato is a very important thing to me. Um, sometimes I feel like that can kind of make or break someone's playing is if they have good vibrato or not, which sounds kind of silly, but um, yeah, you're. I'm a righty, so my left hand is where uh, the vibrato will be coming from. And that comes from, for me at least, comes from the wrist. And that's really important to kind of get down. And also when you're using it, um, when I bend a note, I won't do vibrato immediately. I'll let the note sit for a second. And um, in terms of of my right hand, uh, like I said before, I do that thing where um, I'm picking and finger picking at the same time, um, which is important. And I've also been focusing a bit more on my rhythm playing, um, just getting my right hand to loosen up a bit. Yeah, when you think of vibrato, who was a big influence for you on that? Um, Freddie King. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> criminally underrated. As a blues, oh yeah, player. he is oftentimes forgotten about, which is a shame. For sure. Yeah, no, Freddie Freddie King can jam, and you know, you think of other guys too. I mean, Otis Rush had a great uh, vibrato too, as well, uh, who I always enjoyed. And um, yeah, I mean, there's so many great blues players. I mean, is there a blues artist that you haven't listened to that you want to check out that you really haven't listened to a lot of their music? Uh, I don't know. Uh, there's probably a lot of uh, newer players that I've not heard of that are probably great. But uh, don't know until you know, so <laughs> I'm not sure. 
yeah, there's always, I mean, blues is, is such a, the history of blues is so interesting because it intertwines with our history in America, especially over the last hundred to 125 years, because the blues essentially was born out of poverty and born out of slavery. And, mm-hmm. you know, when they used to play, I mean, there's been, there's pictures or old photographs of, you know, a, a stick with strings tied to like this cigar box or something like that. And that was a guitar for a lot of these people that were poor. And you think of the stories of Robert Johnson and Lightning Hopkins and how, like I told, like I said, you know, said before with the movement of po- the population from Louisiana up north and the civil rights movement, it's such an enriched part of our culture and in the blues really if you look at the timeline of the blues and how it's played and the approach and the attack of the artist you actually feel that history which is really unique of how uh-huh. the world is evolving around them from early time of the blues to up to chicago blues texas blues is a lot different it's so interesting have you have you discovered a lot of that stuff too along with your journey of just reading about the history of it yeah yeah for sure i think i think um playing that it's very important to recognize where it all came from yeah and you think of the the story of the crossroads with robert johnson you know where he made a deal with the devil and and uh just an amazing it's there's so much mystery about it and mystique about the blues and especially you know, these old players and you think of Buddy Guy, who we've talked about before, he's really the last of the OGs at this point. Mm-hmm. You know, he's yeah. the, he's the last dude of that era that was so formidable and, and popular during that time. I mean, you know, before, well, the blues was always very prevalent. And then when the English bands made their mark on music, like I said, the Beatles, the Stones, Zeppelin, Deep Purple, all Black Sabbath, it... Mm-hmm brought a whole new audience to the music and i'm hoping that at some point with modern music that it happens again where people find the blues again because it's such a beautiful genre of music yeah for sure where do you find the beauty in it um i think it's cool that everyone has their own take on it and especially how it can differ from uh, place to place. Uh, everything's going to be different. No one's going to be the same playing it. You mentioned in the beginning of the conversation about when you first picked up the guitar and you're playing other people's notes and mm-hmm. now you're, you're learning how to transfer that emotion to the guitar. You've done so. You've done a you know, fantastic job doing it. When you are feeling something, whether it's sadness, happiness, are you hearing a note. Are you hearing a sound in your head too, as well as well as the thought of being happy or being sad? Yeah, for sure. If if there's a guitar in my hand and um, I'm feeling a certain way, it'll probably end up coming out on the guitar. <laughs> that has to be a, a very unique thing for you to have that outlet, you know, of, oh, yeah. of speaking through the guitar or hearing your emotion through the guitar, almost like a sense of therapy too, as well. You know, when you're having a bad day or you're wanting to celebrate something, you can you hear it in your music, which is just pretty, pretty awesome. I would think for for someone who's just beginning their journey that that is that's got to be so cool to have that because a lot of other, you know, kids your age 
probably don't have something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's a great outlet, and um, especially when I was when I was first um, really getting into it was during COVID uh, when we were all shut down and I couldn't go to school anymore. That uh, I was also in a middle schooler when that happened, so there was just there were a lot of emotions coming on at that time. And, um, it would have, that time would have sucked a whole lot more if I didn't have a guitar with me. Well, when you think of that time, you know, everybody locked down, not much to do. You have your guitar. Did you find yourself, do you feel you became a better guitar player during that time because of the attention that you could give it? Oh yeah, that's that's when I fell in love with the guitar because before that it was just um it was kind of just something that I did but wasn't I hadn't found a passion for it yet. Um because like I said I was just I was playing hair metal songs note for note. It's kind of uh, some people might really enjoy that, but um for me as much as I love that music so um it was really hard for me to um really love it and love playing it. So yeah, COVID definitely enabled me to find that passion. Find that passion and also like learn that the guitar can be a voice for you too. Totally. Yeah. What's the craziest thing that you've seen on stage or learned on stage? Huh. Oh man. I don't know. That's a, and I feel like the most I've learned on stage is just from playing with other people, but also um, off stage where people who I've played with will come up and give me great advice after, you know what? Sometimes they give me horrible advice too. And that's helpful as well. Telling me what not to do, but more of the time it's um, most of the time it's good advice. Um, just, Surrounding myself with good people, both on stage and off, has been helpful. Yeah, I mean, I've talked to a, a couple of artists in Nashville, you know, and they've mentioned you too as well. Um, I know Tyler, Tyler Baker of Goodbye June um, yeah. has, has said some really good things about you. Um, obviously, you know, Jax Hollow, um, who's a great artist in herself, um, has said some wonderful things about you. And you're building a reputation, which is great. You know, you're building a reputation that people want to play with you and people want to have you on stage, which has to be a great feeling as well. And has to be able to give you some confidence that you are doing what you need to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's great, especially um, uh, it just feels like all my practice has been paying off and I'm finally getting to do what I really want to do. Now, as far as practicing goes, when you were locked down and you fell in love with the guitar and you found your passion with the guitar, how many hours a day would you play it? Oh, man. Uh, probably. I I was just I was playing it all day long. I would say um, it, it was probably close to about five hours, six hours a day. It was there wasn't really anything else to do. Yeah, I I'm, I experienced those five to seven hour guitar playings with my son during the lockdown, <laughs> and, uh, and uh, yeah, it was you know now that he's off at college, 
I miss that that noise, that sound, because now the house is really quiet. But I'm all too familiar with that of trying to learn a song and trying to you know write a song and all that kind of stuff that goes into creating. But I think during that, I mean, you had something that kept you busy and kept you occupied, and you now you had the passion for it, and you built that. You know, the love that you had for the instrument going in grew to something more than probably you could ever imagine. And, you know, the next step was, you know, getting on stage and playing on stage. And now you know, you're playing Crossroads, you know, and in L.A. And I just think it's it's wonderful. And I think it's it's fantastic. When do you anticipate having your own music out? I'm not sure. Hope, hopefully by next year. But I also don't want to rush anything. Um, I'm gonna make sure it's done right. Um, but yeah, the goal would be next year, early next year. What uh, and is it going to be straight blues? Is it going to be blues rock? What do you What do you envision? Um, no, it won't be straight blues. It'll be it'll be more uh, soul, funk, uh, classic rock based. Uh, obviously, all that does have a huge blues influence, though. Yeah. What are you listening to now? Like, what do you, you know, when you're listening to other people, what are some of your favorite bands and artists that you listen to? It kind of depends on my mood, but um, for the past year or so, I've been getting really into uh, late 60s, early 70s, classic rock. Uh, Some of my favorites are Steppenwolf, uh, Mountain, Leslie West, and... um, who else? Uh, Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young. It's a big one. Um, Mark Boland, T-Rex, all that stuff. That's some great stuff. Have you done the yeah. Led Zeppelin homage yet? First album all the way to the last album? Uh, oh, yeah. More than once. <laughs> there you go. That is a, an important part of life is putting play <laughs> on the first album. Goodbye. Uh, good, good times, bad times to the Last song on In Through the Outdoor. If you want to throw in Coda, you can put in Coda as well. But, you know, that that band, you, you know, taking blues and just pumping it up on steroids, basically, you know, with their first couple <laughs> albums, which were kind of more straight blues. And yeah. then you go into their evolution, like into physical graffiti. Well, I was, actually, House of the Holy was really the first time they really started doing a lot more experimenting with different types of beats and different types of music. But physical graffiti and presence and all that kind of stuff. And you have kind of like the folky album and Led Zeppelin three. That was a band that could do it all. Yeah, totally. What's your favorite Zeppelin song? I mean, I don't know if I can narrow it down to one song, but I do love physical graffiti. And, uh, I like a lot of their acoustic stuff too. Like, uh, that's the way and the rain song. That's the way is probably my favorite Zeppelin tune. And graffiti, in my opinion is the best album ever released. <laughs> so you're in my opinion grace you're you're on the right path with with <laughs> with with uh with what you just said there <laughs> um how often do you play out in nashville is it every weekend is it a few times a week um it's kind of uh mixed all over the place uh it's probably about at least four times a week um, I've also started playing outside of Nashville too, which is cool. But yeah, lots of, I usually get called up about 
either the day before or a few hours before. So <laughs> you never know. Where outside of Nashville have you been playing? I mean, I know you just played LA at Crossroads, but what are, what are some other places? Um, I did, yeah, I did Crossroads and then I did Austin City Limits. And then um, just, uh, I mean, Kentucky's right next to Nashville. Oh, and I did a Newport Folk Fest in Rhode Island not too long ago. Were you at all surprised about the following that you were able to 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 grow, you know, through your playing and through what, what you what you did? I mean, that had to be shocking in itself to to just see the people that connected and and how it resonated with with people across the world. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I didn't expect any of it. I was just posting videos just just for shits and giggles it felt like until uh until people started uh actually watching it and i started building an audience and i feel like every time i posted something it just grew and grew and honestly i feel like i've just gotten very lucky with it and uh i'm very thankful for it but yeah i definitely didn't expect any of it yeah i think that's the the thing that we've noticed over the last few years is, is these individuals playing guitar. And I just, I'm so happy that you were able to take that next step and start playing live and start building a reputation of playing shows. Cause I think your guitar playing is absolutely amazing. I love the feel that you have and the, the tone and the touch that I think is so beyond your years. It's just amazing when I hear you play. <laughs> Thank you. What's next for you in terms of evolving with with the guitar? Is there more things that you want to uncover? Is there is there a sound that you're chasing that maybe you haven't reached yet? Like, how do you define yourself as a player of where you're at on your grand timeline of things? Yeah, well, I've I've started to play shows under my own name, which has been cool. Um, I'm still sitting in with all different kinds of people, which I love doing, but I would like to um start doing more of my own thing which would be cool um i'm working on it you're putting a band back you're putting a band together yeah that's awesome and as far as playing goes are there things that you're trying to do with the guitar that you're still learning about or is it just refining and improving on what you already know um well there's there's always going to be something to learn i would just like to understand it on a deeper level now are you educated on music theory or is this all feels is all is this all by ear a little bit i i know um enough music theory to get by with <laughs> um i do have i do have a teacher at belmont though who um has been very helpful trying to uh get me to understand some of that stuff and i'm a horrible student and it goes in one ear and out the other but sometimes it sticks it's super helpful well i'm here for it and i know a lot of my listeners are here for anything that you're going to be putting out um i do get down to nashville often i hope to see you next time i i come down there i like to go see the bands that uh, a lot of them have been on the show i like to try to go down there and see them live but i'd love to catch you down in 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 nashville next time i'm there hopefully you are playing somewhere because i just think that you're absolutely fantastic as a player and as a musician and can't wait to see what's next. Thank you. 
Grace, it's been a great conversation. I appreciate the time. Thank you. Yeah, I appreciate it. All right, everyone. That is Grace Bowers, and I am Jay Scott. This is the Hook Rocks, the Ultimate Rock Community Podcast. Thanks again for tuning in. Thanks again for listening. Take care of each other. Stay safe, and we will talk soon. Thank you. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.